Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I am very pleased to bring in a first-time guest, one of my favorite NFL and NFL draft writers. He covers the league and the draft for Yahoo Sports. He's also an enormous Dale Murphy fan. And I got to (laughs) say, while I'm not a Braves fan, I did really enjoy watching Dale Murphy play back during his heyday. So I'm happy to have on the man who calls himself the number one Dale Murphy fan, Eric Edholm. Eric, thanks for coming on, sir. Hey, that is as good an introduction as I've had in a minute. I'll tell you that. That was uh, that was terrific. Thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, I was, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if your, your listeners will, will care to hear this part, but I grew up around Boston, Red Sox fan. But, well, you know, this was like post- 86 World Series, they really kind of went down. You know, they would get right on the cusp and never kind of get in. So I was like, you know, I need a new, I need a new baseball team. So I started watching the Braves, TBS, Dale Murphy. There you go. The rest is, is history. I've become a, a, a the the foremost Murphy scholar in the world since then. <laughs> <laughs> Very unappreciated player and a lot of fun to watch. I think. Yes, absolutely. He was he would hit those opposite field shots. Those kind of you know, like you get it on the end of the bat and still poke it out the right field. And, and you know, it. I, I the Hall of Fame thing has bothered me for years, but I, it's like, I feel like one of those rock bands now that like Alice Cooper or something like that, that's 
you know, got a really good career, but not quite good enough to get in the rock and roll hall of fame. Like <laughs> that's where Murph is now. And I'm, I'm tired of, of having to defend him against the, you know, the, the stat heads and the, the, you know, the war, you know, analytics guys and everything like, yeah, I get it. 265 average. Okay. Right. Right. But he was great. I loved him. That's all that matters. Eric, I got to be honest with you. This is depressing me because it's making me remember <laughs> that there's no baseball right now. So I know. I guess yep. we should probably talk about the sport that even though they're not playing it, there's still a lot going on. And that, of course, yeah. is football. And you wrote a great piece over at Yahoo. Many of your pieces are great. So I'm going to be more specific. This one was on <laughs> Ikim Aquanu who is the offensive tackle out of NC State. A lot of Jets fans have been very interested in him because there's the thought that if he slides to four, maybe the Jets would take him. Perhaps yeah. they play him at guard year one and then slide him over to tackle after George Fan's contract is up at the end of 2022. But I think there's a decent possibility he goes number one. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of your piece, from talking to people at the Combine and sort of checking in on your contacts, do you think there's a legitimate possibility that Aquanu goes number one? Because I do. Yeah, it, I, you know what's really interesting? We're taping this on the day that, you know, for the first time there was at least a little bit of a shift in the thinking. And that was, you know, mainly because when the Jaguars tagged Cam Robinson, that kind of made me think, wow, maybe they're not going offensive tackle. You know, and I think, you know, I talked to Doug Peterson for a minute at the Combine and, I, you know, I said to him, I said, if you're going to take a tackle number one, like you guys did in Kansas City with Eric Fisher in 2013, you know, what, like, what, what has to stand out? What has to be like the obvious? And he said, he's got to be, you know, darn good. And he's got to start day one and he's got to have some special traits and those sorts of things. So, you know, maybe the Jaguars saw Evan Neal and said, really good player. And they saw, you know, uh, Ikem Ikwanu and said, really good player. But, you know, the ceiling on a defensive player is higher. I don't know. You know, this is me kind of speculating because they had Walker Little they drafted last year, played a lot down the stretch. Robinson's been one of those up and down guys, but they just franchise tagged him. So I kind of wonder if this doesn't change the, the, the draft calculus a little bit and then who goes to and then what happens after that. It, I'm just saying don't. Don't write off somebody like Iquano being there at four and, and presenting a really interesting scenario. Certainly could. And I still think the scenario that I mentioned for the Jets could make sense for the Jaguars as well. You could have Iquano in there as a guard year one and then shift him sure. to tackle in year number two after Cam Robinson is no longer with the team because the franchise tag is just for one year. But I think yeah. that either way, he's definitely going to be in the mix for any of those picks right up at the top. And there are a lot of reasons for that, Eric, and you broke them down in your piece. I love the fact that Iquanu was a door-to-door -door salesman as a kid selling <laughs> knives, and he was so persuasive, and I think it's a skill that really served him well because you heard over and over again at the Combine that he impressed the pants off of everybody in these interviews. We saw the press conference and how personable he was, but you heard behind yeah. closed doors he was just wowing teams with his charm and his ability to sell himself. And I think you can really go back to his upbringing, which I'll let you talk about, and the fact that he was such a convincing salesman as a kid selling knives door to door. 
Right. And, and we had that in common too, because one of my summer jobs, I think it was after my either senior year of high school or freshman year of college. I'm forgetting now, of course, but I, I actually did the Cutco knife salesman thing. And let me tell you, it's hard. And this comes from my dad was in sales for, for many years. My mom was a realtor for 45 years. So, you know, sales are in my blood. And I did this knife thing for about three weeks and just thought, I don't think I've cut out for this. So I have I, honestly a, a great amount of respect for anybody who can, you know, cold knock on somebody's door. They know you're selling something. You have to kind of flip them a little bit, right? It's not easy. And, but like you pointed out, he's such a charming kid. And I talked to him for probably 20, 25 minutes the other day and, and, and had a really good, ch- I don't know if the, the Cutco part made the video, but he's just an easy kid to root for because you know, he's smart, he's driven, you watch him play. I mean, he plays with just fire in his game and, and wants to knock you into the dirt. That's the kind of attitude that, you know, you, you would say has that special quality, like with what the Jags would maybe want to see in, in a number one pick. Um, you know, is he is he a perfect player? No. I think he made big strides as a pass protector last year. You know, it was certainly better, but go watch – Florida State, I watched the, you know, Jermaine Johnson gave him all kinds of trouble. So it's still a question of, like you said, could you, is he, is he a better guard? Um, would he be a better fit at right tackle? It's not a spot he's, he's played a lot. Left tackle's been a spot. You know, are we having the same debate we did with Tristan Wirfs and Rayshon Slater, where it's like nitpicky stuff, like, well, technically they may not be able to have the kick slide of a, you know, okay. Does he get in the way? <laughs> does he does he does he do enough, right? And I feel still think there's a little wildness to his game, but for all the reasons that he laid out in the interview himself without even trying, I think he's he's got the right drive, the right intelligence, the right charisma and focus that I'd be shocked if he wasn't something in the league. You know, maybe not that all pro top of his game Joe Thomas level, but I think he's going to end up being pretty good. And like you said, he's somebody that could be a guard, could be a right tackle. It's a little unfamiliar to him to play right tackle, though he did play That's some right. guard, which is definitely a positive for him because, like I said, there are teams that might want to start him there and then shift him to tackle. But his versatility is a huge plus, and he seems to understand that, which he told you about. And I think that part of why he's a kid that so many teams really love in addition to what they see on tape and he realizes too that people are talking about his pass protection needing to be better and in the article he talked about with you the fact that he understands that he needs to prove the pass protection can get better and he says that if you watch his tape like you said there are games where he's made strides and will continue to make strides but you go back to his background and His family has a lot of very successful people in it. His brother is a successful athlete and a successful person in the entertainment industry. His father, a successful athlete and a successful business person. His mother also, a successful athlete, successful business person. And Aquanu himself had the opportunity to go to Harvard and turned it down to go to NC State, mainly because he really liked the coaches at NC State. But this is a very intelligent kid from a great background, high character. And so when you talk about how teams are really drawn to players like that. They're always looking to learn. They're always in the film room, all of that. And they're always processing information. He totally fits that bill. 
Yeah, he does indeed. I mean, you know, it. I, I, I thought a lot of like, um, oh boy, I'm, our Lakin Tomlinson. Remember, he was a first round pick and a little bit of a surprise first round pick. Uh, I want to say Detroit took him. I want. I can't remember exactly who, but he ended. He's ended up being a pretty good player. He struggled early in his career, but he had such. You know, I mean, intelligence, football, intelligence, drive, determination, all that stuff where he got knocked down and really kind of came back. Like at worst case scenario, I could see Iquanu having a couple years in the league where he kind of struggles. But I think it does go back to how he was raised. I mean, uh, you know, both like you said, both his parents were athletes in Nigeria. They came to the States. He's a doctor here. She was an accountant and gave up her accounting gig to help run uh, the dad's doctor's office, which is kind of cool. And then, yeah, as you pointed out, an older brother who, if, if you've watched an animated Netflix series, there's about a 50-50 shot that Iquanu's older brother did the 2D animation for that. So how cool is that? His brother plays linebacker at Notre Dame. They're both business majors. His sister is in uh, uh, medical school at U Chicago, or I think his residency. I can't remember which, but... Um, yeah, so you know he's like there. Like I said, I like you got a family of overachievers here, and he said, "Yeah, I mean, you know, we 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 they set a high standard, and he always was trying to to meet it. But you know, everybody kind of has their own uh, passion in that family too, which is kind of neat. Everybody's kind of doing their own little projects, and you know, Iquana wasn't some ballyhooed prospect as a in high school recruit. You know, he was." He was a three-star guy and his brother was getting more attention and they weren't necessarily a package deal. So Aquanu, all he does is go in there as, you know, a slightly unheralded player, win the starting left tackle job midway through his freshman year and never give it up, you know? And, and I mean, he would, you know, he has kicked in a guard when they've needed him to a couple of times, but really he's been their, their bedrock at left tackle for, you know, 25 games or whatever it's been. So yeah, I mean, I went back and watched one of his games from his freshman year, and you know, it's you can see the difference in confidence and footwork and all that stuff. But you know, if, if he makes similar strides from where he's at to where you know to what he's already done in college, you know, he, <laughs> I mean, he he could be really good. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. 
subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Eric, I thought his relationship with the coaching staff is really interesting, and I referenced mm-hmm. it before. D'Antonio Thunder Burnett, NC State strength coach, was probably the biggest reason that he decided to go to NC State, although he also did really love their business school. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about what Ekim told you about his relationship with Coach Thunder. Yeah, he was, He was. you know, I think a, a lot of guys who come out of that program really credit Coach Thunder as being – I mean, he's, I think, considered one of the, you know, 10 or 15 best strength and conditioning coaches in college football. And the guys love playing for him. And yeah, when Ikwanu came out of high school was the year that, you know, NC State had their entire D-line drafted. And I mean, that was, you know, pretty eye-opening. He was on the other side of the ball. But, you know, uh, that's a that's a, a pretty savvy kid to look at that and realize, hey, if they can do it for the defensive side – They certainly can do it for an offensive player like me. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, that was a big draw for him. And, you know, Iquanu is on Bruce Feldman's freaks list for a reason. Yes, he's got natural ability, but at the same time, he's also developed strength and quickness and and just a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, power from his base, I would say, as he's become one of the best pile drivers in college football. It's funny you mentioned pile drivers because – a big part of the reason why I think I'm so impressed with Ike Mekwanu is because he was a wrestler in high school and a state champion yeah. at over 280 pounds. He wasn't able to use a pile driver because that's obviously a pro wrestling move, not something <laughs> used right. amateur wrestling. But that's the type of athleticism and ability to maneuver your body that really lends to being able to be excellent at the next level as a lineman. We've seen this many times. Tristan Wirfs, who you brought up before as an example. Tyler Linderbaum, yep. who's in the draft this year from Iowa the Center, is another one. My favorite example is the late Carlton Hasselrig, who some people may not remember. Famously sure. made a Pro Bowl for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played a little bit for the Jets, and then went MIA. That whole thing was really weird. But he hadn't even really been a football player. He was just a great wrestler. And they said, okay, we're going to take you and turn you into a football player. And he turned into a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. So I think when you yeah. talk about that type of ability as a wrestler, it really lends itself to being an excellent offensive lineman. Yeah. Steven Neal for the Patriots yeah. was, you know, was not a football player mm-hmm. and. The Patriots scouting staff saw something kind of special and unique in him, and he put on some weight. And all you know, like you said, all of a sudden, like Hasselrig, just sort of turned himself into a football player because he had this this unusual blend of quickness and power, and you know, the ability to leverage people and things like that, and, and the quick strike ability too, handwork, you know, uh, staying balanced, staying on your toes. It's all part and parcel of the same concepts, and you see a lot of those heavyweights. They're not just the big slobs. They're the guys who have kind of unusual mix of, of power and quickness. So, yeah, that's I, I asked them about the wrestling a little bit. I said, I said, were you a better football player in high school or, or wrestler? And he's like, well, 
you know, he said, to be fair, I didn't take the wrestling all that seriously at first. He said it was, it was fun. It was good training for football, you know, and he was sort of just saying, I enjoyed it. Right. And then all of a sudden his last year, his coach said something like, you know, dangled the carrot out there. You know, you could win a state title. And he said, Oh, <laughs> really? And now the stakes change. And he sort of, he said, I, I put more into it that year and, and really worked on it, but I can't help but think that it, that aids his football game too. And all the guys you mentioned, you know, I've had offensive line coaches, scouting directors, area scouts say the same thing. They say, if you see wrestling in the background for, you know, anybody playing in the trenches, right? Linebacker, DN, tackle, you know, offensive guard center, whatever tackle, uh, you know, that's, that's something you really want to look for too. But I would, I would think it also could work for, you know, a cornerback or something like this in press coverage where, mm-hmm. you know, you're still reacting and all those things. So, yeah, I think, you know, we talk about track a lot, obviously we talk about maybe baseball just cause, you know, uh, hand-eye coordination and all that. But but I really think wrestling is uh, a, a great sport for certain positions to, to translate for football. No question. And by the way, since you brought up Stephen Neal, I should mention that Stephen Neal holds victories in collegiate wrestling over Long Island legend Kerry McCoy, who went to Penn State. And, right. of course, Brock Lesnar, former UFC yep. heavyweight champion and WWE superstar who himself tried to become a professional football player but wasn't as successful as Neil. He tried out for the Vikings years ago, and it didn't quite work yes, out for him. Yes, he did. Great memory. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I'm full of useless knowledge, Eric, and it comes out <laughs> in settings like this when somehow I need it. Somebody once said that I'm like human Google. I know a little about a lot. I guess it comes in handy right. for shows like this, right? <laughs> yeah, you and, I are, you and I are in common in that. Like, you know, I, certain topics, I'll blow people away with the arcana I can, <laughs> I can pull out of my ear, right? But then, of course, you asked me what I had for lunch yesterday. Eh, I'll get back to you. I don't really remember, you know? Speaking of what you may or may not have had for lunch, I don't know if you needed syrup on it, but if you did, Dave Doreen (laughs) might have had some bottles for you. Can you talk to me a little bit about NC State head coach Dave Doreen's syrup program and what it meant for Ike McQuanu? Yeah, so I I think it was it was his idea to come up with, uh, um, you know, wanted to incentivize. Now, I'm sure the NCAA is, you know, investigating this as we speak, but uh (laughs) Yeah, basically, I think it started with Aquanu's freshman year. That part I'm not sure about, but it was it was a pretty new thing at the time. And you know, he wanted to be the guy who set the the syrup record. You get a bottle of syrup for every true pancake that's graded out on film. You know, on on Sunday or whatever the day after the game. And he said he had over 200, which is, you know, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if they're counting the spring game or uh, any, any extra stuff like that, but uh, that's pretty wild. Even, you know, for, even for three years of being a starter, I mean, he, he didn't get in the lineup till about the fifth or sixth game was freshman year. 2020 was shortened a little bit. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild right there. And, and he said that the tradition kind of got extended to like, special teams. So if you make a, you know, a killer block. So I think Equan was, was, was quietly taking some pride in kind of making that award, you know, a little bit of a, a niche national story, at least in the, of his achievements, but also seem to be pretty happy about, you know, that, that award getting all its uh, publicity. Eric, one last thing I wanted to bring up about Ikemaquanu that I thought is really interesting 
is that his nickname is Icky. And when you hear that, you yes. think, oh, it's just because his name is Ekim, so Icky. But that's not why he has the nickname. It's because of one of the most fun players to play in the NFL for the Cincinnati Bengals during the late 80s and early 90s, Icky Woods. Yeah, I feel like it's been Icky's year, too, because, you know, the Bengals were on the playoffs and you saw, uh, was it uh, C.G. Ozama, I think, the tight end who scored against the Raiders home playoff game. And since he does the Icky shuffle, I believe, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't get that wrong. But, uh, you know, it was a great moment for Bengals fans who've been, you know, down forever and uh, first playoff victory in, in forever, too. Icky's at the Super Bowl. I know they lost, but now. Yeah, this nickname is, is kind of come to light. And it was given to him when Iquanu wanted to play running back. Like the first or second year he played football, I want to say, third grade playing with sixth and seventh graders because he was too big. You know, that's this is the kind of natural mass this kid has, right? Uh, and they put him at running back, and the coach says, you remind me of someone. You look familiar. You look like that that uh, Icky Woods for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know. So <laughs> that's how it started. It happened to be, you know, close to his name. So obviously it's stuck for a while, and he loves it. I mean, I, I said, what do you prefer? And he's like, Icky's fine. You know, Ekem is great. You know, whatever you want to call me. So uh, pretty laid back, but he definitely enjoys it. Eric, Ike Aquanu seemed to win over a ton of people at the Combine, but another player who didn't quite have as much success at winning over executives and scouts was Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon, and we heard a lot of buzz leading into the Combine that some scouts were souring on him. They were saying that maybe he wasn't as good of a prospect as people had built him up to be. And on top of that, that maybe he wasn't all about football, that he was all about himself and his brand. And you spoke to some people at the Combine that seemed to share that belief. A couple of interesting nuggets from your piece on him, and the name of your piece is Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau. Isn't the top five lock, some might assume. First of all, and I told you this before we started recording, this to me was the money quote, and there's a couple of other ones in here that are definitely worth looking at. And if you haven't read Eric's article, definitely should. You should read the piece on Ike Maquanu too. We get these kids for 20 minutes or whatever, maybe closer to 18, after you get through the handshakes and all that, said one team official. And I think he mentioned his brand at least three times. He became the NIL king this year, and I think some of that will carry over. And of course, you talk in the article about how somebody said he has an answer for everything, but that makes people wonder if he's going to be able to respond to criticism without jarring back at the coaches. And then he compared himself to Javion Clowney, who's a solid player in the NFL, but a former number one overall pick who didn't quite live up to expectations, so it's a weird guy to compare yourself to. So when you put all these things together, taken one by one, none of them are that big of a deal, but you and I both know how this works, Eric. This is not what these executives and scouts and coaches want to hear, and it's just remarkable to me that with agents and reps and all of that involved in this process, that they wouldn't have put him in a room and said, Kayvon, listen, I know you want to talk about your brand or you're more than just about football, and that's totally cool, but stop saying this stuff in interviews. Yeah, it's it's he's a fascinating debate. I mean, it's funny. I actually talked to somebody after that story ran, a, you know, an evaluator who likes him as a player, you know, and this is somebody who is not in a position to draft him, you know, that this is a team that's picking far lower than he'll probably go. And so, you know, I think he was speaking with a little more candor and, you know, not knowing that they have no chance of landing him. He's like, I, he said, I would love to get him because he, he said, there's, 
there's kind of that that double that double edged sword a little bit where he might be a little bit challenging. And you saw that quote too in the story that this is from Thibodeau during his media session. Now, granted, you know NFL people don't really watch those things. You know they may see a little clip of it or something, but when you have Thibodeau basically telling all of us, and I had already spoken to the the the, the people for the story, saying, you know, if a coach tells me I need to do something, I already know it. You know, I watched the tape like no, I forget exactly how the quote was, but it was like, no coach is going to tell me what, what I need to improve on. Cause I already know. I mean, to me, that was the one that, that he said that I thought, oh boy, this one's not going <laughs> to, you know, it, 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 there's no good way to spin that quote. I don't think, even though you kind of understood what he was saying, like I put in the time and I was, you know, I, he's confident in his own ability, which is great. But back to what you were saying, like, you know, is this a kid who's I don't think he's solely driven on his brand. I don't think he's a selfish guy. I just think he's a little bit. He, I think he gets distracted, you know, by the, the, the bright, shiny lights. That's kind of what the impression I got was. And, you know, I'm picking my words a little bit carefully here because nobody trashed him to me. You know, nobody sat there and said oh, I wouldn't touch this kid because they see the athletic ability. They see how long he is, how strong, and his effort is really good on the field too. I mean, he plays hard, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, there's some people who wonder whether he really enjoys contact, you know, so you know, maybe there's a little Julius Peppers quality to him. Remember, Peppers was always kind of, I mean, had some games where he looked like he was going to war and then other games where, you know, he played it a little safer or whatever, you know, he ran around some blocks, those sorts of things. So, clowny like you mentioned he can he had stretches in his career so far where he's been dominant he you know he probably needed to play opposite of miles garrett and so i wanted to get a little bit more and there's obviously plenty of time before the draft but i think the idea is teams feel like they gotta have they have to have maybe the right defensive coordinator maybe the right d-line coach or you know whichever group he ends up with linebacker what have you um and maybe that veteran presence opposite him too, just to kind of get the most out of him or push him or know what buttons to push or not push, you know? So I think he's going to be the, some teams will feel like maybe their infrastructure isn't where it needs to be and talented player, but we'll pass. But there might be a team that, that sees an opportunity and says we can, you know, like, like Michael Parsons sort of last year, you know, the Cowboys just said, we'll take him. We'll, we'll deal with whatever comes up. Obviously his issues are more serious, but yeah, that's kind of a, how I, how I see it possibly going. Eric, one of the lines in your piece, it's a quote from a senior level evaluator said he might not go as high as some of the mocks have him right now. And so I want to ask you about that in terms of both Thibodeau and Ikemakwanu, what sense did you get at the combine as far as where these two guys might go? I know we talked about them both being in the mix in that one to four range. The Jets certainly could be in play for either one of them. What do you think? Where are they looking to slot right now? Obviously, everything is fluid. Things can change. We've got pro days and all of that. And did you get any sense of what the Jets might be thinking? I'm sure you talked to quite a few people at the Combine. Any idea what they might be looking to do at number four and number 10? Yeah, hard to say right now. You know, obviously, free agency is going to, you know, kind of shape needs and, and, you know, positional holes and things like that. And, 
you know, obviously the good GMs will tell you that that doesn't matter. And we're drafting for talent and, you know, what have you, but it matters, right? We, we still consider those things and they're tiebreakers at the very least. So, uh, you know, the Jets are really in an interesting spot because obviously we're still waiting for that, that first pick to, to sort itself out at this point stage i would say there's at least a more likely chance that hutchinson could go one than i would have thought last week it's felt like you know the winds were blowing towards evan neal a little bit so still a toss up there you know i mean number two detroit boy you know everyone just kind of assumed hutchinson would be there and he would be the dan campbell glue guy and what if he goes first they, they took a tackle last year would they go back there this year knowing that they that's probably their one of their stronger positions. So, you know, then they be in the Thibodeau mix possibly, and they have Penny Sewell from Oregon. Maybe they can get some intel that other people can't, you know? So really interesting dynamic there. Maybe it goes one, two with the DNs. You never know. Uh, the tackles have to be in play. If, if both Neil and 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 uh, Iquano are there for for Houston, I think they'd be very happy. And obviously, the Jets would then have a really interesting debate at four. The question would be: Would Joe Douglas consider Kyle Hamilton with the top ten pick, having already you know traded one safety away and and possibly not willing to play pay another? I don't know. I mean, does that does does that factor into his decision making? So. You know, you'd, you'd think the the defense would need some help. The question is, how do you value that position? Is it is his slow 40 time at all a concern? That, those are just what pops into my head now. Eric Edholm, who covers the NFL and the NFL draft for Yahoo Sports, one of the best there is. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Had a blast having you on. And like I said, I hope we can do this again soon. In the meantime, though, you've got a lot of great pieces up and you've got some stuff that you're working on. Talk a little bit about what people can read right now, what you've got planned coming up over the next couple of days and weeks and how people can get a hold of you on social media. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much. I'd be happy to come back on. And uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, close my eyes, blink and have draft day here. That means about (laughs) 150 scouting reports will have already been written and I don't have to think (laughs) about doing it, right? So I've got all of those. We're going to do it a little differently this year. And I used to kind of roll them out one by one, but uh, I'm going to be rolling them out in in batches and kind of adding as I go. And you know, so, you know, check back, right? Click more than once and you'll be able to see whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever uh, gets added along the way, just with, as new information comes in, pro days and whatnot. So we've got the scouting reports. I did a thing on Jordan Love today and you know, all the, you know, the, the situation in Green Bay obviously warrants the question of whether he could be on the move. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to do a lot of little uh, reactionary pieces every time there's a big draft trade or or a big pro day workout or any other uh, uh, developments along the way. So we'll, uh, we'll be rolling these next two months. Make sure you check out everything that Eric is doing over at Yahoo Sports and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up, including a couple of wide receivers. He just put up videos on Christian Watson from North Dakota State and Drake London from USC. So if you want to take a look at them, see if they might be good options for the Jets, either at number 10 or in the case of Watson, perhaps in the second round. Watch the videos, subscribe if you haven't already. 
and visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tpublic.com, tee And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.